0: Good morning, good afternoon. Welcome to Grapevine Ministries. My name is Phil Barker, and today we'll be speaking about the Word of God, covering everything from Genesis to Revelation. And I hope and pray that you enjoy these sermons, and I look forward to hearing from you comments about the messages that we bring forth. Welcome to Grapevine Ministries. I'm Phil Barker. And today I have a God-inspired message that I believe will bless you and encourage you. And my favourite scripture at the moment is Jeremiah 29.11. I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So let's get right into the word, so you too can be inspired by the Word of God. Today's message is Paul's Thorn. I spoke earlier in my last message about the thorn that was in the flesh of Paul and so I just want to elaborate on that now because what I was finding was that it doesn't matter how many times you talk about the physical healing, someone always brings up Paul. But why does everyone's thoughts start? They, let me put this a different way, How come every time when they talk about Paul, it always assumes that this thorn in his side started in his flesh? I just want to let people know that it's not as simple as what everybody was thinking, and the first you hear about this. The Bible does not say that Paul's thorn was in his flesh for sickness. Now I know what you're thinking, you've heard a lot of people and also pastors saying it was. Now you can listen to people and you can argue this but it's not what the word says i like always to confirm things by looking at the word like in 2 corinthians 12:7 through to 10 and i want to read this i don't normally do this but i want to read this this time because it explains it a lot more easier than i can actually understand by me actually trying to explain it to you so let's start at 2 corinthians 12 starting at 7 Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of my revelations that was given to me a thorn in my flesh, the messenger of Satan. Now hear what I'm saying here? The messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I've sought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said that my grace is sufficient for you my strength is made perfect in weakness most gladly therefore i would rather glory in my infirmities and the power of christ may rest upon me therefore i take pleasure in infirmities in reproaches in the societies and persecutions in distress for christ's sake for i am weak then i am strong wow powerful message Now, in verse 7, this is where uh, Paul makes it clear that the thorn was in his flesh, was a messenger from Satan, not from God, not from the Greek word translated that messenger, here also rendered angel. Elsewhere in the New Testament, both in Luke and also in 2 Corinthians 11 and Galatians, Therefore, this was a demonic messenger, a dark angel, sent from the devil to buffet Paul. Now, some people suppose that God gave the thorn in the flesh to Paul because this kept him from being exalted above measure. They just automatically think that this is saying the thorn in the flesh was sent from God to keep him humble. And that is absolutely not true. Humility is important, but there's also a godly type of exaltation that is mentioned many times in both the Old and the New Testament. Now, for one of those examples, we can look at 1 Peter 5 6, and it says this: Is humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God, that you be exalted in due time. Here, being exalted means being lifted up is God when God does it. However, some people assume Paul was speaking about pride. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 7, they argue that Paul had a real problem with his pride and arrogance. So God gave him the thorn in his flesh to break him up and to keep him humble. Again, that is not true. That's not a godly principle. We just saw in the Bible saying to humble yourself. If God humbles you, that's not humility, that's humiliation. Humility is not something you can force on a person, it has to come from inside of you. And I think a lot more people need to make sure that they humble themselves to God so they can be lifted up. Now, the thing is, this is where free will comes in. God gives us free will to make our choices. So we choose to humble ourselves to Him. He doesn't force that upon us; otherwise, it just becomes plain and simply humility. I like this. There was a great Christian leader. I love this story. Maybe some of you heard of John Stotes. He was speaking at an occasion at a university mission in Sydney. That's Australia for all you listeners from overseas. So, on the last night of the mission, as a result of an infection, he had a viral infection that had caused him to lose his voice. Nevertheless, he was persuaded to still speak. Now, waiting in the sign room beforehand, he whispered a, a request that the words of the thorn in the flesh, verses 2 Corinthians 12, be read to him, also believing the wrong interpretation of this scripture. So when the time come to speak, nothing had changed and he croaked the gospel through the microphone in a monotone, utterly unable to modulate his voice or exert his personality in any way. But all the time, he was crying to the Lord to perfect Christ's power through his weakness. Now, this is the thing that gets me. He later came back to Australia on many occasions after that and on several of these occasions was amazed that so many people came to him making this statement. Do you remember that final service in the University Great Hall when you had lost your voice? That was the night I came to Christ. (laughs) As someone who is very aware of my own weaknesses, I find it encouraging that when I feel weak, I am not alone. As you put your faith in God, He turns your weakness into strength. Now, I'm still taking on a healing, but God knowing the call on my life gives me the strength to keep doing my podcasts, knowing that there are people out there that need to hear this. Now, it's not my greatest work, I have to admit, But the thing is, I'm still doing it because I know that that's the call on my life. I want you to remember always, God is your strength in times of difficulty. Belief in God is not the recipe for an easy life. In fact, the reverse is the case on many occasions. You are likely to face all kinds of opposition. David's life was under threat. Saul had sent men to watch David's house in order to kill him, to find him, surrounded by enemies, mutineers, dirty tricks, hit men, desperadoes, knowing that we're all determined to get him. Yet in the midst of this, David prays, Rescue me, and has total confidence that the Lord can and will deliver him. Later in the Psalms, twice David calls on God, Oh my strength. He is able to say, I did nothing to deserve this. God crossed no one, wronged no one, and that was his belief, but we know David was not perfect, and you can read examples of this in uh, 2 Samuel. However, Sometimes you may face difficulties, not because you are doing something wrong, but because you are doing something right. Cry out to God for help in times of personal difficulties. Arise to help me. Look on my plight. This is what he's saying in Psalm 59.4. You can also cry out to God for help in times of international crisis like we have now. The very next sentence is a prayer for the nation. At whatever level the opposition appears, ask the Lord for his deliverance, help, and intervention. Now, if we move on, move on to the New Testament now, we go into John 6, 25 through to 59, and it explains faith and emptiness. Now, I'm not going to read it all. I'm just going to give you little snippets of it, all right? Uh, And we're all breathing a sigh of relief now. Jesus taught about the centrality of faith. He asked, what must we do to do the work God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one who has sent. Believe in the one he has sent. I hope you're enjoying today's message. Thanks for tuning in. I'm praying for you today as you spend time in the Word that your faith continues to grow and strengthen. Grapevine Ministries relies on the support of listeners like you. Your generosity helps us continue spreading the word and making a positive impact. You can visit our website at grapevineministries.buzzsprout.com or follow the links in my bio if you feel led to give. You can also support this ministry by subscribing and sharing this episode. And now without further delay, let's jump back into the word of God. We are called primarily believers, not achievers. The way we achieve is by first believing. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. When we are physically hungry, we crave food. But as well as physical needs, you have spiritual needs and a spiritual hunger. The bread Jesus is talking about is the word made flesh, present with them As a friend, Jesus is offering us a personal, intimate, heart-to-heart relationship with him. It is the gift of this total person of each one of us. Faith in Jesus fills the emptiness you experience and satisfies your spiritual hunger for purposes, permanence and pardon. You notice I always talk about purpose and importance of understanding it. Remember, physical bread is not enough. Material things alone do not satisfy. Money, cars, homes, success and even human relationships do not satisfy our desire for ultimate purpose in our life. The bread that does satisfy is the bread of life. This is not a commodity that Jesus supplies. He is the gift and the giver. The words, I or me, appear 35 times in this discussion. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You see, it's easy, even once you have put your faith in Jesus, to get caught up either in material things or the trappings of religion. But it's not actually only a relationship with Jesus that satisfies your spiritual hunger. The expressions, believe in me, come to me, look to the sun, eat my flesh and drink my blood, describes living in an ultimate close relationship with Jesus we all want and need permanence now back to this I was just uh, you know going over a few things because the old body's are uh, not handling things too well at the moment all right where were we oh, permanence okay we all we are all going to die we know that death is not the great unmentionable reality Jesus says this life is not the end I am the living bread that comes down from earth. Whoever eats of the bread will live forever. I will raise him up on the last day. That's what I read and that's what I believe. Jesus promises to raise you up at the last day and that you will live forever. You can have absolute assurance that your relationship with Jesus will outlast death. There is both a present and a future dimension to this eternal life. They say, from now on, give us this bread. And that's what we need to do. Jesus says it can be received immediately, yet he also made it clear that it will last forever. Because he pardons us. Forgiveness is actually our greatest need. Now there was even an atheist philosopher, Marganetti Lascasi, I think his name is. Probably pronouncing that wrong, but don't let it worry you. You can look him up. All right. He said, "What I envy most about you Christians is your forgiveness. I have no one to forgive. We all want to know that we are pardoned for all we have done wrong." Wow, maybe it's time he converted to becoming a Christian then. needs to be able to be forgiven. But Jesus said this, This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. His blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you receive communion, you are reminded that Jesus gave his life so that you could be forgiven. And also you could receive healing. At the moment, myself and my wife, we take communion as often as we can because it's just reminding us of what the sacrifice was at the cross. Well, the thing is, how do you receive the bread? Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Whoever believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. While there is no separate account of Jesus' institution of Holy Communion in John's Gospel, there we see Jesus' teaching on communion set out in the context of faith. Among other things, communion is a visible sign that helps us receive Christ by faith. It reveals and it nourishes the friendship Jesus wants to have with you. It is a gift of His love and a sign of His desire to dwell in you all the time. This is why my wife and have it regularly basis, and when we're going through challenging times, that is when we still want to do it because I' am wanting a healing, and I will continue to do this until I can, but we have to be aware of not only faith and fallibility as we read through an ongoing saga of the people of God shining crying out to the Lord and being rescued by Judges, we come across one of the most disturbing stories in the higher Bible. This is Josephat. Here he is described as a mighty warrior. His mother was a prostitute. His half-brother drove him away. He gathered up a group of adventurers around him. He became a remarkable leader. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him And he was used by God to secure victory over the Ammonites. And the Lord gave him into his hands. Wow. right. So it doesn't matter what your background is, where you come from, what you're going through. God is there for you. He can pick you up and he can take you through. And all you've got to be is willing to receive him as your Lord and Savior. However, there is an incident in his life That is almost unbearable to read. He made a vow to God that if God gave him victory, he would sacrifice whatever came out of the door of his house to meet him upon his return. And it was his daughter, his only child, and it appears that that it was him that did this. Be careful what you ask for. It's important to note that God never asked him to make this vow, nor did he ask him to carry out the sacrifice. Indeed, it went against all the teachings of the Old Testament, which forbade child sacrifice. Josephat never actually seeks God's will in this situation. It seems to be his own pride that drove him to put his reputation above the life of his daughter. This shows the failability of even great people of faith. Now just remember, in spite of weakness, he is listed in the book of Hebrews as one of the heroes of faith whose weakness was turned into strength. If you want to read about that, that's in Hebrews eleven thirty two through to thirty four. I've always said, be very careful what you promise or what you cry out to for God because it can bite you in the bottom. I personally have experienced things like this, but thank God not to the extent of Jehoshaphat. But the thing is that by taking the scriptures out of context, we have a tendency to think that We need to do something or we need to give something to God in order for him to give something to us. But as you read through the scriptures, you find out very, very clearly that God loves us unconditionally. And he wants us to love him unconditionally. But we have free will. And so the decisions that we make and the the things that we do in our life that we can't turn around and blame God for them. We can't turn around and blame the devil. Well, sometimes you can, but not always. But the thing is, a lot of the time we make life choices and they're not what God wants for us. And then when we're trying to redeem ourselves to God, we believe, just like in the Old Testament, there needs to be some sort of sacrifice that we give to God, in order for Him to bless us, well, that's 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 the thing. It's an unconditional give. See, my wife's of Italian background, right? And this is how things work in you know in that sort of environment. <clears throat> Let's say, for instance, uh, someone uh, bakes a uh, a cake or a biscuit or something for us because we're so sort of like. Unwell and going through some difficult times at the moment, right? And so then you know we just got to wash the dish and return it later. Now, if you were a dinky die Aussie or you know just a, a westerner type thing, then you'd see you'd say thank you very much for that. Wash the dish and give it back to them the next time you see them. No, 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 no. Not in the Italian and Greek and and especially Asian cultures. Okay. That's not the way you do things. If somebody gives you something, you need to make sure that when you're returning their dish to them, there's also something in it. Because you can't give it to them empty. That's just not right. It's the wrong thing to do. So we've built up this culture about, you know, giving and receiving from a different Perspective of what God does So we actually We find ourselves in a situation where You know Someone does something for us And, you th- and the first thought you have is this, Well I wonder what they want in return For what they've just done for me Hey come on Look at it from a, from a perspective where That person saw that you were in need They saw that they could do something to help you And they just simply wanted to show How much they care about you By doing it for you They don't want anything back in return They don't want To uh, actually um, Put themselves in a situation Where we're we're Totally committed To this backwards and forwards thing You know So my wife cooks something Gives a plate to My son And uh, my son gives it back to me And it's empty And he's, he's waiting for a refill Well And his mother was quite happy to do that. But if my wife gives a plate of something to a friend of hers, which is of the same European background as what she is, and then she would get her bowl back and it would be full of chocolates or lollies or biscuits or something else, because that's the right thing to do. The point I'm trying to make here is that God gave his only begotten son to you so that you could live the life that you live today, free of sin, free of sickness, and it is a free gift. I See, agape love is unconditional love. Even in relationships, marriages, boyfriend, girlfriend, so forth and such as, people are under the impression that if, if you do something nice for somebody, then they have to do something nice back to you. I lend my, my lawnmower to uh to my son in law. Uh I expect to get my lawnmower back and I expect to, to have new blades on it and to be fueled up and cleaned and 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 made right again and uh you know, something else as well. No, that's 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 not the right thinking. He asked to borrow my lawnmower, so I lent him my lawnmower. No strings attached, nothing else required. It is just plain and simply what I was asking him to do. So the point I'm trying to make today is to remember this. God so loved the world, John 3.16, God so loved the world that whoever believeth him should not perish but will have everlasting life. And he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. He didn't say, Jesus, you're going to die on the cross but you make sure you get something out of all of those people that give their heart to the Lord in the future. No. So when, not like Jehoshaphat, but when you pray to God and you ask for something and he blesses you, he doesn't want anything in return, but he would like you to praise and worship him and give honor and glory to him for what he's done in your life. But it's not a condition It's what you choose to do. You have free will. I choose to love God. I choose to spend time in prayer with him. I choose to take communion. Not because I have to, because I just want to bask in the goodness and the glory and the blessings of the Lord. And that's what it's all about. This is what I want to do. I want to be blessed abundantly. And the only way for me to be blessed abundantly is is to make sure that I you know, do what I believe is the right thing to do as far as the kingdom of God is concerned. God loved the world that he gave, and he will keep on giving. He loves you unconditionally, and I don't want you ever to forget that, about how much he loves you and how much he Really, really want you to have a relationship with Him. So that's it for today. Be blessed and have a great day. And you take care of yourself. And just spend that little bit of time with the Lord so you know that He really cares about you. And we'll just close there. Thank you very much. God bless and bye for now. Thanks for listening today to Grapevine Ministries with me, Phil Barker. If you enjoy this message, I encourage you to share it with someone and discuss it with a friend. Faith is better in community. You can also join in the conversation in our online community via the link in my bio or email me direct at grapevineministries155 at gmail.com make sure to subscribe to be notified when my next message is released. See you next time.